Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. Another great jam-packed episode coming up for you here today. We have so much to talk about, and I didn't even go to the racetrack this weekend. I love it when we have weekends like this. Um, this is going to be a NASCAR-heavy episode because, well, Atlanta was something. It, it was something. Let's, let's just put it that way. Um, we're going to start our show off this week by talking about what happened at the Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend as they had a uh, triple threat with the trucks. They had Xfinity, and they had the Cup Series in action this weekend as well. And, oh, boy, did we have another one of those fantastic Atlanta finishes that has everybody hyped right now. And if you ever wonder why the hell does Ryan even care about NASCAR, it's for moments like this. Yeah, there are some dull moments and there are some dumb things that happen in NASCAR. But, damn, races like Sunday are exactly why I still watch the NASCAR Cup Series and keep up with the trucks and Xfinity and, to a lesser extent, ARCA. Um, a lot of that has to do with... Uh, seeing some of these drivers come through the New Smyrna Speedway, come through the ranks, and be like, man, I, I saw them when they were in late models. I saw them come through the World Series. I got to talk to those drivers. So I do have a little bit of vested interest outside of just uh, the short track world. So, um, of course, I always follow along with NASCAR. I've been a NASCAR fan my entire life. And no, I'm with you. I don't agree with everything that's gone down with in the NASCAR world. And I do agree with some things. And that that's what makes it fun. Um, and then, like I said, Finishes like Sunday, actually races like Sunday, make it uh, all worth the while. Um, spoiler alert. Well, maybe not spoiler alert, but do we have another perfect score in our NASCAR race ratings? Do we? I don't know. You'll have to find out. Um, so coming up in this episode, we're going to start with the action at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. We're going to cover all the races over there on the Half Mile Super Speedway. And uh, in segment number two... I've asked the listeners or friends of my Facebook to get involved with this. Um, practice has been a, a topic of recent concern, and it's a topic that I uh, often find dismay in. And I want to get everybody's take on what the perfect amount of practice is. So I want to talk about that. We're going to hear your thoughts, concerns about that in segment number two. And then in segment number three, we have updated NASCAR power rankings. We have our uh, fantasy segment where we're going to look into who did well this weekend in our Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy league, along with our fantasy picks for Las Vegas, as maybe the picture becomes more clear this week. And then we're going to go around the state to wrap it all up. So a lot to talk about. Let's dive right in. But first, let's start with some news that came down today because, yep, I've seen everybody's comments. I've seen everybody sharing it. I've seen everybody's take on what went down with the modified tire results. It's uh, something that uh, a lot of people have been waiting for. And yes, it took a little while to get back because, guys, hello, it's Speed Weeks. There's a lot of racing going on, a lot of, a lot of tire samples going out to the lab. And um, we did get the sample results back on Monday, but our offices typically aren't open on Monday. So um, all of that went into action here this afternoon on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, I, I saw your questions, saw your comments, concerns. Um, and honestly, if it's not put out by the Speedway yet, that means they're not available. If you think we just sit on that stuff because we want to sit on it and make you all suffer, well, you need to look in the mirror and really check yourself because that's just that's kind of a ridiculous way to think. Um, I, look, the, the office, the way our office works, um, since we race most Saturdays, our working hours are kind of Tuesday through Saturday. Then 
Sunday, Monday are off. And we got the results back on Monday and it didn't get put out, didn't get put into a press release until Tuesday because that's when everybody was back working. So I hope that clears some things up. Um, look, I've been waiting for them too, but I know that when they have them, Holly's going to send them to me. That's just how things work. So, um, you know, I, I had some messages. Oh, I've been in racing for 30 years and it never takes this long. Well, uh, you know, a weekly tire sample is probably going to get back a little bit quicker than, you know, a speed week's tire sample. When you have a sprint car tire samples going out, you have this tire sample going out. Um, and I don't know when, I don't know if, if the samples actually got sent out until after speed weeks were done, if they got sent out that night. I don't know. Uh, and listen, I am not there day to day. And guess what? I don't care, man. It's, it's not that I, okay. It's not that I don't care, but there, that's, there's, it's out of my control. So I do what is asked of me to do. And that's, I, I do what I can control. So uh, for everybody messaging me about the results, my, my results to you were like, well, if you know better than I do, and what I knew is that as soon as they come in, I'm going to have them and post them, um, call the lab. If you've been in this for so long, call the lab. Ask them. See what's going on. And if they're like, well, we sent them two weeks ago, then we have a problem. But that wasn't the case. So, anywho, I feel better. Um, yeah, the tire results came in. And uh, so, basically, I, I just want to let everybody know what happened because I, I made some phone calls this evening because uh, I saw everybody's takes, and everybody's going to have their take on it. And no, it's not favoritism. And yes, it was done per protocol. So going back to last year, we used a punch rule at New Smyrna Speedway. Um, we never said that you could soak tires. We just said they've got a punch within a certain parameter, and that's how we gauge things. Um, CRA, who is in control of the World Series, um, they have their protocols and their take on all of that. And when you come to race the World Series, you damn well better read the World Series general outlining procedures or else you may be throwing a curveball or two. And it's your responsibility to keep up with the rules changes. The rules are, you know, the rules come out every year for the World Series. The rules come out every year for New Summer Speedway, regular rules. Make sure you read them. And I, I emphasize that because, yeah, if something changes and you don't know about it, guess what? That is your fault. It is not up to the Speedway. It's, it's up to the Speedway to post their rules and have them available for all to see. And if you don't go to read them, then that is on you. It's like if your job says, hey, we have a policy change and you have to follow it and you choose not to follow it, then that's on you. I just had a big policy change while I was away at Speed Weeks when I came back to work. And I had to adjust because that's the way it works. You have to be responsible for your understanding of what flies and what doesn't. So uh, CRA had their protocols. And um, I, I just want everybody to know, I, I, like I said, I made the phone calls because I wanted to get to the bottom of this before. I wasn't going to comment on anybody's stuff because, you know what? I don't care what you say on Facebook anymore. You, we could give you the God's honest truth every single time. And we usually, I like transparency. So the things that I post are transparent. And you're going to have your own take on it. Whatever, dude. Go with it. Do what you got to do. It's your Facebook, right? So um, here's the story. And I'm not going to name names and I'm not going to go into specifics. And I'm not going to match tire codes to each specific car because guess what? It's done a certain way for a reason. So it originally did start as somebody wanted to protest somebody's tires. And our tech officials, in conjunction with CRA, 
decided to step in and say, hey, we're going to take the top cars that come through tech that night. We're going to take, I'm sorry, we're going to take tire samples from the top three that come through that night. So they took those samples. That's why you'll see eight numbers on the page. And I was confused by this as well. Uh, but there are duplicates because they tested they, they tested LJ's tires twice. When one came back to not conform, they do a separate test to make sure it's not an outlier. When they get the same results, they you know if you read the report, that's that's what it says. So LJ's were tested twice and didn't conform the first time. It didn't conform the second time. That you know, they, at least they they do their due diligence to make sure there's not a false positive. And um, yeah, unfortunately LJ's didn't come through as uh, conforming to the benchmark. So he's been DQ'd for the 14th. And as the points go in, we had a tie between Wayne Parker and Timmy Moore. Wayne Parker won twice on the week, and Timmy Moore did not get a victory on the week. One position, man. That's why I always tell you guys, race like it's the last race. Race like you don't know if you're ever coming back. Race like you don't ever know when the championship's going to get decided because we've seen them decided by hurricanes. We've seen them decided by tire samples. Every position in every single race matters. If you don't believe me, ask Hunter Wright. They destroyed a car. They ran half a race car and finished ninth, and they won a championship. Michael Hine destroyed a race car, stayed up all night converting another car into a prolate to win a championship. If you want it, it's yours for the taking. So race race like you're wanting it every single lap because it might fall into your lap. Um, but no, to go back to the, uh, the tire samples, um, it was done per CRA tire sampling procedure. Um, we decided that, uh, since somebody wanted to protest, we decided the best thing was for the track to step up and take the tires to the lab for sampling, uh, instead of just doing the protest. Cause that's what I initially thought it looked like a protest to me. So that's why I made the phone calls and found out that it wasn't, um, they went through their protocols and took the samples that needed to, here's the thing. They took the samples that needed to be taken to give a, a wide enough range of and to get rid of any shadow of the doubt, they did their procedure. It came back. LJ Grimm was DQ'd. And here's the thing. Y'all think what you want. Go ahead. I, it's fine. But then go read LJ Grimm's post. He says, I doctored the tires. I got caught. I own up to it. So, you know, I, I commend him for saying that and not getting all mad. Um, he knew what he did. And I, I believe me, I think more than just LJ Grimm are out there, and I'm not saying everybody's doctoring tires, but um, everybody's trying something, right? We're always trying to gain an edge, aren't we? It's like they say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I don't like that because I don't think people are blatantly cheating all the time. But I think people are always pushing the limits into the gray area, trying to find out what they can get away with, trying to find out what how they can skirt by because everybody wants... Everybody wants to win. We all do this because we want to be winners. We, we want to look good out there. You know, we want to go out there and excel at our craft. And some of y'all are crafty as hell. And I can appreciate y'all being crafty. Um, it's, it's honestly, in my opinion, it's, it's a shame that stuff has to come down to this. I like to leave the racetrack knowing who's won the race. But if there's no tech, if nobody's held accountable, and there's no integrity, then why bother? Because like I said... We know y'all are pushing the issue, and there's nothing wrong with you guys pushing the issue. Push it. It's up to us to find it, right? Us. I, I say us like I'm, I'm, listen, I'm so far 
uninvolved with tech. Um, yeah, that, that's it, it's it's a shame. I feel bad for LJ in a sense because he had a great World Series and it was for not now basically. But then again, if you own up to it and say, "Hey, I did it," then I, there's no reason to feel bad for you. Um, I just I, I wish the outcome was different. I wish he didn't doctor the tires. I wish he just came out, ran the races, and took what he could get because he did on night one. He took what he got and he got the win, and he felt, you know. He almost felt defeated by it because some other cars crashed out or fell out. And then you could see on the second race, he was like a fourth, fifth place car. And the next night he was rocket ship fast. And then you go back to the 50 lapper and he was just there. And to me, the way I look at things is everybody's always working on their cars trying to get better, right? So everybody's trying to find a way to get better. And they, the way they found to get better was to try to doctor talk, doctor doctors, doctor tires, and they got caught. You know, I wish they would have just worked on the car, worked on the setup, and got it faster that way and been legit. But um, I, I always look at progress as people working. And listen, they worked. They just worked in the wrong areas and got caught. And, um, you know, they weren't parked down but a couple of trailers from somebody else who's been through this game before and might have seen something, might have smelled something, might have heard something. I don't know. Um, again, you know, it kind of stemmed from, hey, I want to protest. The track stepped up. The tech officials stepped up for the track and said, hey, we're going to we're gonna test multiple multiple cars here. And they went through the protocol and that's what they did. So that is the story. And, um, you know, believe what you will, have your opinions and you're entitled to that. But I just, look, I, I wanted to make sure I, I took some time before I just got on here and gave my opinion because my opinion at the end of the day, as far as this goes, doesn't matter. I think LJ is a hell of a wheel man. And I know he's won plenty of races without anything going wrong. And if you think now this taints his legacy, then, you know, that's something you'll have to sort out in your own mind. Um, I, I think no matter what, LJ's a wheelman. And uh, I believe a lot of people are always pushing the envelope. Sometimes you get caught. Sometimes you don't. So play the game as you see you need to play the game. And be prepared for the consequences when they don't go your way. That's my message for today. Let's get into... What went down at the Atlanta Motor Speedway? Because what a weekend it was. We had a doubleheader on Saturday with the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series and the NASCAR Xfinity Faster Than 10G, whatever the hell bullshit they want to say, uh, Xfinity Series. Um, they were in action as well. I uh, did not watch these races live. I went out and did a few things, and I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm so glad I did not uh, schedule my day around these races. Thank God for YouTube's Unlimited DVR. Um, Hardest part about that is when you don't watch them live, you got to stay off social media, you got to stay off Reddit, you got to stay off NASCAR.com, you got to stay off, you got to stay off things, and you got to hope that somebody doesn't text you about something happening. And uh, I did spoil the truck race for myself. Uh, I was getting ready to come home, and I just, out of habit, took my phone out of my pocket, looked at Facebook, and the first thing that pops up is, Kyle Busch wins the truck race. And I'm like, well, of course Kyle Busch won the truck race. He's... He comes down there to steal candy from the kids all the time. And uh, I still went home, watched that race, because I wanted to see how things played out. And it wasn't just like Kyle Busch went out there and, like, dominated let every lap. He was competitive all day. Uh, there was three or four relatively competitive trucks throughout the day. And the race was okay. Uh, one of the best trucks in the field, Christian Eckes, had brake problems, won the stage, then he pitted... Um, and basically had to park the car because they had no brakes. So that was unfortunate. Uh, you know, the race played out um, a, a little bit cleaner than I thought. It was awesome to see Daniel Dye, a local racer here, get the pole. 
He didn't lead any laps. Uh, wasn't competitive in the top five, but did run near the top 10 all day. So that was probably one of his best races. So that was nice to see. Um, the race played out okay. Um, you, you pretty much had two lanes. Middle lane was dominant. And uh, far less wrecks than Daytona. It wasn't a wreck fest, smash them up race. There's there's a lot of weird things that happened in the truck race. I mean, Bailey Curry's roof peeled off. Um, you had, uh, God, poor Grant Enfinger, who's winning the race inside of 10 to go, and he gets a flat. Just weird things. And um, like I said, Kyle Busch was competitive all day. He was up near the front. He he was one of the few people not afraid to take a run and try to make something happen because he's experienced and, and can make runs. And um, he's running in second when Grant has the tire go down. Grant pits. Kyle Busch has the lead. Nobody can get around him, so Kyle Busch wins. So yeah, frustrating, but it wasn't just like Kyle Busch came out and spanked the field. Now, when he races at Las Vegas this weekend, I believe he's going to go back-to-back. I think Kyle Busch wins this weekend. Um, it makes them all look silly because Vegas is not a drafting track. It's a pure speed, pure talent type track where, you know, if you're one of the best drivers and you can really make that speed, then you're going to separate yourself from the field. So, I mean, good on Kyle. It just aggravates me because, you know, he runs the races he's allowed, but he wins them all. And it's like, God, God, at least he doesn't win half the races anymore. It's only five that he can run. He'll probably win four out of the five this year, and those will be, Five truck races that I'm frustrated with just because I don't like the outcome, but oh well, I move on. And move on we shall. Um, over to the Xfinity Series, I did not have this race spoiled for me because I stayed off Facebook. <laughs> After I saw who won the truck race, I'm like, all right, lock your phone, put it away. Um, so I did pay more attention to the Xfinity race because I didn't know what was going to happen, but this was the Jesse Love show. I mean, he just went out there. He did what I expected Kyle Busch to do in the trucks. Jesse led a majority of the race. The only time he didn't have the lead through the first, like, 90% of the race was pit cycles. You know, A.J. Allmendinger stayed out at one point, led for a while, and then Jesse Love worked his way by, and I don't I don't know, man. I thought I was worried after watching the Xfinity race that, wow, the track really has lost a lot of grip. And I made a post on Facebook. I'm like, well, why did they pave it this way if they wanted it to wear, but they want to have plate racing here, blah, blah, blah. You know, I got on my high horse because I didn't like the race. I I think it's the Xfinity package that needs work. Because the race was pretty much a single file train. It reminded me of Dale Jr. at Daytona in the mid-2000s when he'd come out there and lead, you know, 90 of 100 laps or 100 of, you know, 120 laps, whatever it was. It really reminded me of those days. They ran mostly single file. There was separation through the field. There was a couple of incidents here and there, but nothing major. Nobody could really do much. There wasn't much drafting. There wasn't much pushing. It was just kind of stay in line and hope you make it. And then it did get interesting. Just Love won both the stages, just obviously had the dominant car. And then when somebody who's in their second start dominates like this, you always wonder... It was like Chris Buescher at Richmond last year. I'm like, what is going to screw him over? What is going to happen? And then there's all this chatter about fuel. And you're like, oh, well, okay, this race hasn't been the best race. This isn't the kind of race I want to see here. And they're like, well, fuel mileage races, they get interesting. So the last 10 laps, yeah, it was a little bit nail-biting. And then they had the caution. I think I'm trying to remember uh, somebody ran out of fuel or something. And, uh, oh, excuse me, it's been a long day. Um, yeah, somebody ran out of fuel, caution comes out. We have a, a, a shootout to the finish. 
and everybody's saving fuel. And I'm like, oh man, the minute these guys step on the gas, they're all going to run out. And I saw, you know, Parker Kligerman, who I'm a big fan of. I saw he was up there and I'm like, I'm going through my mind like, okay. And I'm pessimistic, right? I'm like, Parker's going to run out of fuel. Somebody else I like is going to run out of fuel. And somebody I don't like is going to come. Okay. Not that I, somebody that I wouldn't particularly want to see this type of race is going to win this type of race. They go back to green. They step on the gas. Jesse Love runs out of fuel. Parker Kligerman runs out of fuel. The field scrambles. And Ryan Truex, uh, I believe, had an opportunity to get out in front. And then Austin Hill, Austin Hill, the man who's been so dominant at these drafting-style tracks, won Daytona in a late-race move after being wrecked, by the way, has enough fuel because he pitted, gets by everybody, and wins this race. And all I could do was sit there and laugh. I literally laughed as he came off turn four to take the checkers. I'm just sitting on my couch going, ha, 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 of course. Of course that's what... Of course, we should have known that's what was going to happen. When this was all set up, we should have known it'd be Austin Hill. And nothing against Austin Hill. I don't dislike Austin Hill. It's just, I, I, I'm a big fan of unpredictability. I'm a big fan of um, parody. And uh, when some guy, it just gets so easy that uh, you can just tell who's going to win without even having to see how things play out. It's like Kyle Busch in the trucks. I didn't know how he won, but I knew he was, had a good inkling in my mind that he was going to win. And same with Austin Hill. It's just like, damn, the guy hadn't run higher than fifth all day. And he's going to win this damn race because of fuel. So it was weird. It just, I, I went to bed that night like, man, I'm not super excited for Sunday because I think the cup cars are going to be in the single file line as well. Although the cup racers are much more talented than the Xfinity racers these days and they're much better at drafting. So I don't know. I just, I thought we were going to get like a, a split pack in, in Atlanta for Sunday. So my expectations were tempered for sure. So go to bed, wake up the next morning, and uh, we had our, excuse me, I don't know why, I keep yawning, but I'm going to keep this in because this is real. It's only 8.30 at night while I'm recording this, but uh, I'm an old man and I get tired now, so I apologize. Um, we had our employee thank you party uh, for everybody that worked the World Series over at Goodrich's. Big thank you to uh, Doug Elliott, Goodrich Seafood for having us. It was a good time. So we we, we went out. I say we because it was a bunch of us um, from the track, but uh, we got together, we socialized, we ate, we had a good time. Um, came home and uh, I watched the race on about a two-hour delay to start. And um, my mother came over because she had to go. She works in town and sometimes she'll come over, we'll do dinner, and she'll stay the night. That way she doesn't have to drive an hour and a half to get to work uh, every single day. So um, had plans with my mom to come over for dinner. So she gets there about halfway through the race. Um, and, and I'll just tell you, uh, my mom, she grew up around racing because my father, my father got me into racing. So my mom's been around racing, but she's not a race fan like you and I. Um, she knows about racing. She's a Chase Elliott, quote unquote, fan. That's who she likes. But she doesn't, it, look, if I'm not around, she doesn't know racing's happening. Uh, if, if I'm not around, racing's not on. She's not a fan, but I get to watch at least the two-thirds of this race with her here. Now, I don't know that she was necessarily paying attention to it, but she was here. It was on. Um, you know, I went out and cooked dinner. I gave Peyton a bath. I put Peyton to bed. So I had the race on. It took me about five hours to watch this race because I would watch some, pause it, go do what I had to do. Um, but that's what's nice about having TV. Again, you just got to stay off social media. So there are some days where... 
if you reach out to me and I don't respond for a while, it's because I haven't seen the race and I ain't responding to you. So I'm sure you all have figured that out by now. But yeah, I watched this race kind of in spurts. And uh, I'll tell you, my expectations, like I said, they were tempered going into it. And then <laughs> lap two, lap two, they check up on the outside lane. Austin Dillon gets spun out, comes back up through the field. The largest crash in Atlanta Motor Speedway history, according to the broadcast. I'm just like, oh, no. Like, I like a big wreck, but like I said at Daytona last week, I like when they build up to the big wreck. Like, the racing's good. It's close. There's still 20-ish, you know, 25 competitive cars in the pack that could play a part in the finish. And when it builds and builds over the course of 500, 400 miles, whatever it is, and then it crescendos with a big one, that's the kind of race I like. When it happens early, a lot of the 2021 Daytona 500, it, it just it takes some air out of the sails, right? So I'm like, oh, no, we just wrecked half the field here on lap two. Now, these cars are tanks, and a majority of them kept going. You know, Bowman was hurt for the day. Bell was out. Williams was out. A couple others were banged up, but it didn't seem to hurt the energy in the pack. It um, the, the race from start to finish was exciting. What, probably one of the best, like, all-around races. Like, races will have big moments, and they will have, you know, good finishes or that, you know, viral moment in the middle of a race or a big wreck that people talk about. Atlanta had all of it. It had your big wreck, you know, 16-car pileup. It had um, a wreck going into the pits, which was interesting. It had that viral moment of cars going four wide for the lead and not wrecking. Like, they went a lap around Atlanta Motor Speedway without wrecking four wide. One of the craziest, most impressive things. Like, I was like, man, this race is already great. And then that happened. I'm, like, standing up in my living room like, oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. This is awesome. Um, and then it had, you know, a finish for the ages. So, uh, the the players in this race were interesting, too. I mean, Todd Gillen led, like, 50 laps. Um, Michael McDowell won the first stage. Um, you had Blaney up there, Kyle Bush was up there for a while, and you had, you know, you had spins, you had great wreck avoidance, um, you had Hamlin wrecking three or four times, you had Chase Elliott going around, you had comers and goers, uh, you had green flag pit stops, you had the field get separated a little bit, but the race constantly, and I'm gonna, this is a race that I'm, I'm hell, after I'm done recording this podcast, if, I'll probably fall asleep, because y'all, y'all already hear me, but I might go back and watch this one, like, so much happened, and it was so entertaining. This is why I continue to watch NASCAR, because we get a race like this. It's, it was like Kansas last year. The whole race from start to finish was good. Lead changes galore. Um, you know, action everywhere. Moves being made. It was fantastic. So Saturday set Sunday up for failure, but then Sunday rose to the occasion. It was just like, no, no, no. Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. So um, it, it was a great race. Uh let, let me talk about the finish now. Um, so inside of, I, I believe it's inside of 20 to go, there was a wreck. They had a red flag. They got that cleaned up. And then they got restarted. And th- at this point, Hamlin had been taken out and Larson had been taken out. So I'm happy, right? I'm like, as long as Bush doesn't win, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, Bush is up there in the mix. So I'm like nervously excited. I'm like, anybody but Kyle Bush, please, anybody but Kyle Bush. And, uh, they go back racing, and we get another crash. I think this was the Josh Berry crash where he came down. He got loose, lost the front end of the car, coming off turn two, slid down the track, and sent uh, Carson Hosevar into orbit for a minute. 
And um, so we had another caution. And at this point, my mom is over there like, oh, God, another crash. And I'm like, yes, how the end of these races go. And uh, she's like, the racing is so good. I just want to see him race it out. And I'm like, me too, me too. So we got the restart. What was it? Five to go. And um, Daniel Suarez is actually the leader. But Blaney gets control of the race, leads us around. We go around, we go around, we come to the white flag. And I'm like, man, what a, what a race. We're actually going to finish this thing, it looks like. Blaney's got control of the race. He's out in front by himself. You got Kyle Busch on the inside of the second row and Suarez to his outside. And we've seen some two and three wide racing, but predominantly with this package, it's a, a two-lane deal, you know, that they can keep consistently. And then, in my opinion, Kyle Busch makes the move of the year. I know it's early, uh, but this will be a move that gets looked at for eons. He, he knows he's not going to win the race running behind Ryan Blaney, right? He's got to find a way around Ryan Blaney. So Blaney's kind of darting around, kind of block, trying to block down the back straightaway. He makes a move high, comes back low, and Kyle Busch darts. And, and I think there aren't many drivers that could have made this move. And Busch makes the move to the outside of Ryan Blaney. And in my opinion, if uh, Kyle Busch does not make this move, Daniel Suarez does not win this race. So Kyle Busch making this move gave, in an essence... Daniel Suarez, his shot to get up there and make this a battle. Because when Bush got to the outside of Ryan Blaney, now the side draft isn't quite as predominant with these cars since they're more symmetrical. Um, the, the side draft, though, did slow down Ryan Blaney. And Blaney's now on the inside, so he's pinched down even more. So he's going to face a tighter condition and face that arrow push more than... He's got to turn that wheel more. So that's going to bog Blaney down coming up off the corner. Then with Bush side-by-side, side, it allowed Suarez, who had a little bit of momentum going down the back straightaway, with that big run that he's going to get on those two guys side-by-side, side, he pulls to the outside. So we are three wide in turns three and four. And when Bush made that move, I was, you know, I'm going to tell you, the last 10 laps of this race, I was up off my seat. My, my butt was hovering off the couch, okay? Uh, I wasn't standing at this moment, but my butt was hovering. Like, I, you know, full-on, like, leaning forward on the couch, like, ready to jump up at any moment because it was intense. The last 10 laps of this race were intense with the wrecks, with the racing, the action. And Bush makes that move, and I'm like, oh, no, no, here he goes. And my mom's like, oh, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. And I'm like, he might, I hope not. And they're coming off the corner, and I'm like, oh, they're going to wreck. They're going to wreck. They're not going to wreck. That was my rationale in my head as they're coming off four. And then they had that fantastic drag race down the front straightaway, and... I'm watching Kyle Busch because I don't want him to win. And it's three wide. My focus is on Busch. I'm watching him because I'm like, okay, if his nose is out in front, I'm mad, you know, because I'm like, oh, what a great finish ruined by freaking Kyle Busch. Because, listen, y'all know. Yeah, I just don't, he's not, I'm not a fan. And they come to the line and I'm like, I don't know who it was. And my mom and, and I were like, we're, we're both like, whoa, oh my God, wow, wow, wow. To the point where her phone was like, you're in, uh, I'm looking at my wrist like y'all can see me looking at a fake watch here. Um, her, her phone's like noise levels, too high. And my mom goes, well, how's that possible? Peyton's been yelling and screaming and playing with us for the last hour and it didn't make any noise. Um, but anyways, we got very jacked, very amped. And uh, I'm like, I look at her, I'm like, I don't think it was Bush. And then they they flash on the screen the checkered flag by Suarez's name. And I'm like, the broadcast says Suarez. Suarez won the race. And then, you know, you hear the, the race director, you know, the finish is under review. 
I'll finish it. And, um, you know, you can't take, you got to take live timing and scoring with a grain of salt because, you know, it was so close. I had to go back and look at it. And Daniel Suarez, man, he was the winner. And what a win for him. What a feel-good win. I mean, nothing against Blaney. Bush made, if Bush had won the race, I mean, I could be upset that Bush won the race, but I, again, he made a hell of a move down the back straightaway. Such an exciting move. I, it was nice to see a racer take a chance. Because like I said, we've seen so many times where somebody just stays in line and they push their way to third. Like, you ain't going to win from third. You ain't going to win from fourth. You got to go make it happen. And Kyle tried to make it happen, and he still finished third. But at least he tried. So I got to give him credit. But Daniel Suarez, you know, riding that high line momentum, comes down the straightaway. They don't wreck. They race it out three wide to the finish. One of the most classic finishes. Probably top five finish in my book. Um, you know, Craven at Bush at Darlington, my number one favorite. Kozlowski and Ambrose at uh, Dar- at uh, Watkins Glen up there is one of my favorites. The 2000 uh, Daytona 500, also in my top five. And probably the uh, Richard Petty, David Pearson. And, and this is not in order, but... Uh, Petty and, and Pearson coming down to the the checkers of the Daytona 500 in the 70s. Uh, definitely another one of my my top finishes. So um, there's my top five. I didn't plan on doing that, but there's my top five finishes, not in order. Although Craven Bush at Darlington was, is number one for sure. Um, definitely one of my top five finishes ever. Just a moment that I'll never forget. I was so amped. It was so hard to go to bed that night. Like, And again, I watched this in spurts and I started late. So it was late when the race finished and I was so amped. Um, I couldn't wait to then hop online and see what people were saying. And then I saw somebody did message me, wow. And I'm like, well, I'm glad that's all you said. So it didn't spoil anything. But, you know, it just, it was great. It was a great race. Yeah, it had some calamitous moments. It had crashes, but it had passes. It had four wide for the lead and they didn't wreck. What an awesome moment that is as well. Um, And we got Daniel Suarez in victory lane again, uh, second time in his career. Um, I, he may not be the best racer ever, but I've, I've enjoyed following him. Uh, I mean, he won a K&N race at New Smyrna back in the day. Um, so I've been following him ever since. And, um, I, I just a, a humble guy, you know, he's not a superstar. I mean, he's a good racer, Xfinity champion, but he's not a superstar in, in the line. You know, Bubba Wallace gets a lot of press because of his race. And, uh, you know, Daniel Suarez, he's that other guy, you know, he's the, he's a Mexican. He's from uh, down south of the border. And um, he doesn't seem to get as much. He, he reminds me of uh, Rafa from tennis uh, to uh, have a weird outlier there. Um, he's a humble guy, good wheel man. He's just not a superstar like some of these other guys. And he's not portrayed by the media as a superstar. And uh, you know when he got that big win a few years ago, it was in a very tame road course race where he got track position and just didn't make a mistake and won the race. And Won it convincingly, and it's like, good, Daniel Suarez has arrived, and last year was terrible for him, and, you know, just all the rumors of him being on the hot seat and all this, and if he is, he is. If he's not, he's not. The track house will determine that. Um, but it was nice to see him get back to victory lane. Uh, just a fun guy, um, humble spirit, hell of a race. And, and uh, again, he might not ever win again in his life, but he'll always have that moment to be like, I was involved in one of NASCAR's craziest finishes ever i beat kyle bush in the defending champion ryan blaney um you know if i was a driver who was like a you know a mid-pack driver for most of my career and i only had a few moments and that was my moment to shine then i'm gonna be pretty happy about it so congratulations to suarez he's gonna make the championship fight interesting 
uh, with two drafting tracks in the books. We've got William Byron as a winner, and we got Daniel Suarez as a winner. I, I expect Byron to win several times. I expect Suarez to maybe win again, but not guarantee that he's going to win again. So I, I think it'll be interesting. I think through two races last year, we had Michael Mc, uh, sorry, not Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse in victory land and Kyle Busch. And we all assume Kyle Busch would make the playoffs. We did not assume Ricky Stenhouse would make the playoffs. So we're kind of in the same boat after the two races this year. And, and when you get that weird outlier driver, that fringe driver who locks himself in early, it just, it moves the bubble down even further. And it just makes, um, it makes following the whole season, you know, the win and you're in playoff deal very interesting. So, um, as usual, I did score this race, and I want to go ahead and go over that with you folks before we take our first commercial break. And, um, oh, hell. Yep, here it is. Here's the score. I have it here. So, are you guys ready for this? We'll see if we have a new record. I just want to remind you, Daytona scored a 7.4. Racing, I give it a 10. Fantastic racing all the way through. Excitement, edge of your seat, fantastic from start to finish. Uh, definitely edge of your seat for the last, you know, 15 to, to 10 laps. So 10, finish. Last week I gave the Daytona two, which which took it down. Uh, this year, can I give it an 11? Can I break my own rule? It's a 10. I mean, what more could you ask for? Lead changes. There's 41 of them. 36 on the super speedway or drafting track scale scores a 10. So I got a 10 enjoyment. You know, I enjoyed the race. If you listen to that segment, you know, I enjoy the race. It got a 10. It gets a perfect score. Atlanta, ding, 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 perfect score. So between that and a 7.4, we are an 8.6 for the year so far. And, um, yeah, off to a good start. I mean, Daytona, like I said, great race at Daytona, really enjoy the race at Daytona. The finish was the only thing holding it back. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really can't complain. I, I'm super happy with uh, the result. I would have been happy if Blaney won too. Um, obviously, if Kyle Busch had pulled that off, it, it would have reminded me of Jimmy Johnson at Talladega a few years ago when they had the two-car tandem and they were like similarly three wide across the line and Jeff Gordon got passed in the last lap. That was tough to swallow. So I would have like been like, wow, what an awesome finish, but had that bad taste in my mouth and I don't have to have that taste in my mouth going to Vegas. So, congratulations to Daniel Suarez. Congratulations to the folks at Atlanta for building us um, an interesting racetrack. It's got us talking. Um, I know people miss the old worn-out Atlanta because, you know, it really made the drivers have to work, but um, I don't think Atlanta's had this much to talk about in years. And, yeah, Saturday was tough. It was rough to get through, but Sunday was awesome. So, um, my hopes are high going into Atlanta for the summertime, it will kick off the playoffs. It'll be the first race in the chase. So that'll be interesting to follow. Um, I do have updated power rankings here. I'm going to save that for the third segment. We do need to take our first commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about practice. I want to know what your thoughts are on how much practice is needed at our local short tracks. So come on back and join us for that. Hey, everyone. We want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron D'Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years, not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders, and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. 
But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom-made. We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, also very good for, for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders uh, a couple of years ago, and they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting, um, they do estate and trusts, they do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a, a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. We'd also like to thank Doug Samian with Do All Lawn and Tree Services. He's come back on board as a supporter of the Racing with Ryan podcast. 
So if you need anything done in your lawn or if you have any overgrown trees on your yard or lot, make sure you contact Doug Samian. Get a hold of him, and he will take care of you. Again, big thank you to Doug Samian, big supporter of the show here, driver of the Zero Four Superstock. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, just reach out to us here on the Facebook page or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. $5 an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. So uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, earlier today I posted on my Facebook page a uh, a question about uh, practice. And uh, the reason I did that is because I feel like on asphalt especially, I, I love the dirt track model of hot laps. I get the reasoning behind it. Like we don't have a track that we can just run all day on. Uh, we got to keep that thing pristine for, for racing conditions, given the nature of dirt racing. Um, but with asphalt, I just feel like there's too much practice throughout the day. Like you get to the racetrack at, at one o'clock for, for speed weeks. And it's like you practice all afternoon, take a half hour break and then we qualify and race. So like, if you're there for practice, like, holy cow, it's a long day before you even get to your race, you know? And if you're the last race of the night, God, you're, you're there for hours on end before you even race. Um, and then the, the real reason I ask is, I see so many times, and, and I feel bad for these people. No, I get it. A breakdown, it, it ain't like breakdowns are just only happening during practice or that your parts are only built to to break down during practice. But I hate seeing when we've run more laps in practice and we're going to run in a race and then your car breaks down and then you've got nothing, especially during like speed weeks when these guys come from all over the place. I'd rather see you. I'd rather see nobody have problems or wrecks, but I'd rather see it in the race so at least you get your start money. And I know uh, start pay is not making anybody rich, but I'd rather you get a couple bucks on your way home than you breaking down and having absolutely nothing. Like, I'd rather you put some gas in your tank as you head home. And same for the locals, too. Like, when we're on our third round of practice, um, not saying that that's the case, but, you know, God, when it's like the last hour of practice and it's like, oh, God, everybody's breaking down and now we don't have a field to run, especially... It's easier when you have a big field. When You could lose one or two and not notice, but when you got smaller fields for your local stuff and you're just trying to scrape by and put on a show for the fans and, you know, you lose two cars, that could be, you know, 15% of your field, relatively speaking. And that's tough. And then you think about the people like, damn, this is their Saturday that's taken away maybe from their, their wife, their kids, their families, and they're literally going to go home early without getting a race with nothing. So for me, and this is, I'm going to say this before I read the, the exact question and start reading the comments, but for me, ideally, what I'd like to see uh, for, let's say for bigger shows, a la Red Eye, uh, Governor's Cup, um, yeah, Speed Weeks is its own deal. And, and we can, I've already talked to with CRA and gave them my two cents about Speed Weeks practice too. I think there should be less of it. Not necessarily less rounds, but less of it. Um just to preserve some vehicles, man, to keep you folks going. Um, but for um, for bigger shows, there should be a Friday night practice for a few hours. We don't need to be there all night. And it doesn't need to be every single division in the world. I get it. When you open it to every division, it allows more people to come. You get more money at the gate. But it also kind of clogs things up for those trying to race the next day. Um in my opinion, the bigger shows, like I said, they should have a, a Friday night practice for a couple of hours. And then 
there should be one round of practice the next day just to shake down. Honestly, practice on race day, it should be let me get it off the trailer, let me run a couple laps, let me just make sure the thing's not going to fall apart. Let me make sure all my bolts are tightened. You know, if the oil line comes off, I want to know it's going to come off before I hit the, the track for the heat race. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, um, the practice, sh it shouldn't be like, well, I have no idea what I'm doing today. I need to get my car right. It should be, let me go out there and make sure that my steering wheel is going to stay on. My, you know, my windshield is bolted in. Uh, my roof's not going to blow off like Bailey Curry. Um, you know, I didn't leave uh, a, a Zeus bolt undone or a Zeus button undone. Um, you know, things like that. It should be like, okay, the, the car's balanced. It's riding good. So let's go race. But that's, of course, this is my opinion from a fan's perspective. At the end of the day, I, I'm the announcer at a racetrack, so I am a race fan, okay? That's where a lot of my, that's where a lot of my takes come from, which is why sometimes we don't all agree. So in my opinion, uh, the weekly shows, I would like to see one practice for each division for, you know, maybe 15 minutes, give or take. Um, now, if there's like six cars, then give them 10. Um, and then an open 10 to 15 minute session at the end of, of division practice, like go do your division practice and race order, order, have a five minute break, and then have a final open practice session for anybody that needs to come on the track. Just like, okay, I went and ran practice. I didn't feel comfortable with the way something felt. I made a change and I'm just going to go run a couple laps to just make sure like if you got a vibration, fix the vibration. You get back out there, you run a couple laps. And I say open because, you know, if a mod mini needs to go out and shake it down and the late model needs to go out and shake it down, y'all play nice. This is practice. We're not racing. So um, that might be unconventional. And some of you are like, no, you can't put whatever you, we can't put a bomber on the track. Well, I, I'd say limit the amount of cars on track at a time, but give it, the people that want to take to the session use their best judgment at the end of pit road and send a couple of cars out, let them shake down. You got 10, 15 minutes and then we're going to qualify and then we're going to race because that's what we're here to do is race. It, it always cracks me up when people get so upset. The, the ones that get the most upset about the payout are the ones that are there at every single practice are the ones that are running more sets of tires into the ground, running, you know, <laughs> running more practice laps than anybody else. And then they complain about how much it pays. It's like, well, you could get more out of this if you practice less. I don't know. Um, so that's that's my take on it. Uh, that may not be perfect. You know, maybe... I, I like what we do now for the weekly shows. It's like two rounds each division. So again, if you do go out in that first round, you can come back out and fix it up. So I do see that point too. I think what we have for the weekly shows is is okay for right now. I, I just like... I like the dirt track hot, hot lap mantra. Green, white, checker. That's it. If it ain't good at this point, you should have worked harder in the shop. But, um, so I posted this question. So as you know, I'm not a big fan of excessive practice on race day. I'm not opposed to people running the track, coming out for those opening practices, blah, blah, blah. Um, I hate nothing more than seeing a car load up before the race because of an issue in practice. So I want to know, what do you think is the right amount of practice on race day? I'll use this for the podcast. Uh, Greg Dame, the first one to comment. If your eyes are open, you should be turning laps. <laughs> Skinny comments. Poor Greg. Uh, and where were you each week? Greg says, slaving for the slaving for the system. Skinny. Being an adult is hard. Skinny, uh, Skinny then says, let me practice your modified, and then it turns into this whole thing. Um, and then Justin Spears comments on this thread, I think two five-minute sessions is plenty. So he's on the less is more. Uh, Skinny then, on his own comment here, says, dirt has it right. Hot laps, green-white checkered, 
and they have a major changing track, asphalt changes, but not as dramatic as dirt. Maybe two of those sessions and call it a day. Devin McLeod, good uh, dirt and asphalt racer, says one session per class, maybe make it five to ten minutes long, depending on your car count. Mark Kemet, uh, two sessions. Derek Huey, uh, and I'm going to try to get to all these and read them the best I can here. Um, so Derek says, I say two sessions of 15 minutes should be plenty. If you can't get your car in tune in that time, you're way off. Dirt does it where there's no hours and hours of practice. I say two in case there's an issue with the first, gives a chance to double check and keep a massive wreck from happening in the race from a you know mechanical issue. You know, guy driving off and to turn one of the wheel flying off. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, Derek also says, also close the track. Uh, for testing two to three weeks out from big races, practice the day of only for those races too. And typically, um, New Smyrna will close practice uh, at least about a week before big races start, um, which I think is is pretty good. So I think we're in the ballpark there, Derek. Um, Austin Griffiths says, I love how dirt does it, but most pavement racers won't go for that. I'll say 10 minutes max. Richard Levant says, I prefer three rounds, 10 laps each. Doesn't take too long, but you get your chances to make adjustments and... I think getting into a third round of practice is overkill because then at that point we're running more laps than, and I get it. Not everybody has to go out, but the opportunity is there. And, you know, sometimes if the track is open, those, those drivers will be on like a fly on poop. So I think three is too much, but Richard, uh, that's what he prefers. And Hey, that's why I posted the, the, the thing, right? Tyler Sontag or photographer buddy says two 15 minute sessions for local classes. Chuck Rush says two sessions. Jason Reason, nothing, another one of our photographer buddies, nothing wrong with a normal race day schedule. Multiple days of practice is a bit much. Uh, Mike Smith says, hey, we discussed this at Speed Weeks. Give them one 20 to 30-minute session for high classes and one 15-minute session for the lower classes. So Mike is is like one longer session versus two shorter sessions, which which kind of, in, in essence, is, as far as looking at track time, would, would balance out, right? So there's a little different take. Um, Joe Winchell, very respected racer, says two or three 10 lap sessions on race day. Paul Hartwig, three laps like the dirt tracks. Uh, you know, his son's been in the, the dirt track race and stuff, so not surprised by that uh, response there. If it were for me, asphalt should do hot laps, five laps, because you know, we, we can use our track a little more. So you know? I like I like one round, five laps, and then do a joke around at the end. That's what I like. Billy Billy Carlbert. So Billy Carlbert says. Two rounds is fine. Gene Gagne, a buddy of mine from up north, says dirt racing does two laps and it works out fine. Yeah, and that's the thing. Dirt practice pretty much does work, doesn't it? Um, oh, crap. Matt Nyer says, our good buddy from the Hot Mic, which you should watch on Wednesday evenings, uh, where all of us announcers get together and talk racing. It's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun talking with those guys. Uh, Matt says, as a non-driver, I think two 15-minute sessions per class on race day should be enough. If you need more weeknight test and tune or rent the track. Uh, Jesse Veltman says the heat race is the best practice anyways, in my opinion. There we go. There's a racer. There's a racer. Charles Crawl, who was with us uh, commenting on the races for Flow Racing during Speed Weeks. And uh, if you know him from his Twitter days, um, he used to be a cone. Uh, but anyways, uh, Charles says three laps. Boom. Simple. I like it. I like it. Tony DeGeorge says after going from asphalt to dirt, all you need is one practice. We are lucky to get hot laps, and 90% of the time it's sloppy and nothing like track conditions you're going to get for the features and mains anyway. It's a good point. Randy Hetchnecker, 
Two 15-minute sessions, and Jesus, stop comparing dirt to asphalt. It's not remotely the same, and the way you approach your day is in no way comparable. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely not. It It is apples to oranges, but, you know, running cars into the ground during practice isn't uh, good for racing either, in my opinion. Matt Jarrett says, I'm good with two rounds. Hell, it seems like when the pro or super late race, they end up getting a majority of the practice time in regular classes get like five minutes. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Um, Kelly Jarrett responds to that. Two eight to 10-minute practice sessions per event gives enough time to come in on pit road, makes it, make adjustments if needed. Tom Monopoly, Becca's dad, says two rounds, 10 to 15 minutes each. So it seems like a lot of people, especially in the asphalt world, are, you know, two, you know, mid-range sessions, you know, eight, eight to 10 laps, 10 to 15 minutes. John Gross says, for the bomber class, one five-minute session is plenty. Add some laps to our heat races or features. I'm there to race, not for practice. I love it. There's another racer for you. Um, uh, Skinny then comments on that. I wouldn't be mad with 25-lap features, 10-lap heat, but after 25 laps, our tires are struggling. I, I like the bomber divisions being 20 laps just because it, it keeps them in their own ranks. You know, if you want to run more laps, I, I, I hate saying move up because, like, that's not fair, but I think the Bombers being at 20 laps separates them a little bit more from every other division that runs 25 laps. But again, that's off topic. Um, John then replies, got to race the track as well as competition. Makes it more competitive, if you ask me. Yeah, I love that. I, I love tires that wear out. and I love going down to do victory lane when the cars are like, you know, you see them come in and they're, they're still smoking by the time you get down there. There's just something to that. It's like, man, these guys have pushed these machines to their limits. There's just something cool about that. Uh, so some more comments here. Uh, Timmy Walter says most tracks have practiced Friday before the race. So if I made changes or need seat time, I use that time to test or get practice in. Then typically only do a scuff session on race day to get the glaze off the tires, make sure everything is working as it should. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. For the for the bigger event, I I don't think open practice is needed for weekly shows, but that's just me. Russ Moore, the thing I see is not sticking to times. Have one, two, three sessions. I don't care. But if it's a 20-minute session and no one's on the track, don't end the session. Guys are making changes and planning on coming back out. Stick to the scheduled time periods when the session starts. Put a countdown clock on the scoreboard so everybody knows how long is left. Yeah. No, I, I can I can hear that because I'm up in the tower sometimes. Like, oh, no one's coming out. Okay, we'll move to the next session. That, that's a good point. What if, well, let's just say, use the Florida Modifieds because there wasn't many of them, so sometimes the track was more empty. Um, you know, what if Wayne Parker needed to come in and make an adjustment? And he's trying to come back out, but they end the session because everybody else pulled off. So, yeah, good point. Very good point there, Russ. Um, Dal Dalton Nelson says, I like the way Yoho has been doing it. One 30-minute open practice per class allows you to go back in and make changes and then go back out on the track. Some classes that don't or can't make a bunch of changes in the car should probably get a shorter session. Yeah, that's fair. Josh Greathouse says, just hot lap, hot lap them like seven-minute heats. Seven minutes of practice, heat seven, eight laps, and 15 lap features. Saves money, keeps the cost down, makes for a better show. Um, I, you know, I think 20 laps for your lower divisions and uh, 25 for the other divisions is, I think that's pretty good, especially at a half mile track. Uh, Jack Hall says two sessions is plenty. The normal Saturday night racing schedule is great, but also nobody forces you to run every round of practice. So at some point, it's on the driver's team if they overpractice and tear up their stuff. Yeah, no, it is. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it is. But when the track is open, like I said earlier, some drivers are on it like a fly on poop. This episode will be called Like a Fly on Poop. Justin Otterholt, 
I run late models, legends, bomb rays, and all of it. And I never needed more than eight, 10 laps of practice to get it dialed in. That's uh, That was at a different track, but nonetheless, that was my experience. And again, just because I make a comment doesn't mean it's about New Smyrna, but yes, I, I appreciate it. Uh, Scott Bramlett has some cool insight here. Some teams use race weekend or day of for all of their testing. Most people that vote for no practice are either longtime veterans or very comfortable with the tracks they run. When training a new driver, it's cheaper to get laps on race day than renting a track uh, all over the place and doing private test days. Oh, absolutely. But again, race days, the key is race day. It's not like uh, race days are not promoted as, hey, come practice. Uh, oh, and there's a race afterwards if you want to stay. Uh, Devin McLeod then replies to that. You have a good point. Obviously, running dirt has made me look at this differently. I'd say it's overlooked in asphalt racing that a race can be used as a test session, which it can in a way. Um, uh, again, in my opinion, the best way to practice is to race, you know, that's the, how you get better. Uh, what is a race, but, but a practice at the end of the day, uh, if you really think about it, how do you hone your, your race craft, your race? Um, if you want to go and test, get up to speed, go to a weekly show, start in the back and, uh, you know, ha uh, have a paid test session if you need it. Um, let's see, Rick Harris says, have a $20 practice on Friday evening for the class that are running only. Then one 15 to 20 minute practice on race day, 30 to 45 minutes for pros and supers if they're on the schedule. I think that's, I, why are the pros and supers, why do, why do they have to be different? Like, why can't they have the same amount of time as the super stock? You know, I get it. They're more expensive cars, but why do they need to run themselves on the ground more than a, a super stock or a sportsman? Um, and I disagree with having open practice every single week. It's just overkill. Tristan Emily says, no practice. Have them do a Le Mans start and run across the track and jump into the car. That'd be fun for an enduro, but, you know, th this is a semi-professional sport here that we're talking about. Ronda Alessandro says, two practice sessions, eight to ten laps. I, I like the time limit, too. If you need more practice, then rent the track during the week. Honestly, like, if you're brand new and you're worried about other people being out there, the best bet is to rent the track for practice. It might really be worth your time and money. Get a couple of friends come with you. Um... That way you get the track more or less to yourself versus having to worry about those others out there. Uh, Jake Spratzer, and I'm not saying that as a, a plug to, to the track. I'm being, I'm just trying to be realistic here. Uh, Jake Spratzer says, if it's local, two 15-minute sessions should be right. If it's a NASCAR race uh, weekend, I think there should be two 30-minute sessions, one for unload and one for happy hour after qualifying. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea. I think, you know, it's funny, like I talk about this, I think NASCAR is, too little practice these days, but I think everybody agrees with that. NASCAR is the top of the world. So, you know, uh, Mike Wofford, never been a fan of practice on race day, rarely did it when I ran them anyway. Our flagman, Jason Carancy, uh, uh, I don't know why I still can't get that right. Jason Carancy says, 10 laps. Oh, and also, I'm not a fan of practice. After almost 35 years of doing this, I don't need any practice. Takes a lot to, you know, once you get that wrist motion down with the flags, you don't need to practice. It's perfect. Uh, Wayne Krev says every driver knows there's a risk every time they drive into the track. Well, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Brayholm says it depends on what you have going on, which absolutely it, it does. I mean, obviously a bigger show, you're probably gonna have a little more practice. Governor's Cup is gonna have more practice than, you know, hey, this week is the, uh, the Bomber A50. No offense, but it's the truth. Uh, last round of practice, no more than eight, 10 laps. If your car is right, your car is right. You should know in 10 laps. Uh, Sean Monahan, uh, Brody's dad says one session, eight, 10 laps. My, my, my dad chimes in here and says one round. That's all you need. Two 15 minute sessions is plenty, says the mad scientist Steve Barnes. And we just got a couple more here before we move on. 
Bob says, Bob says, says for bombers, 10 minutes of practice and qualifying, ditch the heat raise 25 lap feature. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, uh, Mike Couture says, you're not a fan of excessive practice because you're not, you, yeah, I, I, there's got to be one, right? You're not a fan of excessive practice because you do not own or drive a car. Therefore, you don't understand the need that is required at times. Not saying it's needed by everyone every race day, but there are teams that need to. So to diminish practice sessions to push your agenda the day of or for the day is wrong. And when I refer to an agenda, I'm meaning the agenda of New Smyrna Speedway wanting to short, stra- short staff, short hour the days at the track is actually open. The ones that need it will be on the track. The ones that don't will relax by the barbecue and enjoy the day waiting to race. And then those ones that are on track for an hour and a half will crash and break and have nothing to show for it at the end of the day, which is my point, not pushing my agenda. That's why I asked everybody's opinion because it seems like I would say that one one practice round per division and then a joke around at the end would be the way to go. But it seems like the consensus here is let's have two 10 to 15-minute practice sessions per division. So I think the uh, the majority has spoken. And yes, I don't own, own a race car. So yes, I don't. I have a different look at it. But you know what? I've, <laughs> I've been a race fan for 35 years. And uh, as a race fan, the, the thing that hurts me the most is knowing how much effort you put into your race cars to come race. And when you don't get to race because you've run your car to the ground during practice, I feel bad for you. So that's my agenda is just get more cars on the grid for race time versus having more load up and go home. So um, I think most of you see that. And uh, not to pick on Mike there, but, you know, uh, me asking everybody's, me posting my agenda would not be asking everybody's opinion and having a discussion here on my podcast that I put out publicly for all to listen to. So um, perspective, it's all about perspective. Uh, but hey, I do appreciate that. That was uh, that that was very interesting. I, I, there seems to be a general consensus. And, and I, I definitely think that, uh, there's there's a, a point to not comparing asphalt to dirt. Like you just you, you can't, right? Yeah, it works for dirt. Well, what works for asphalt doesn't work for dirt either, I guess, you know, if you want to put it that way. So interesting stuff. Appreciate you guys um putting your input in there. Uh got a lot of different views from a lot of different people and not just new Smyrna people. And you know what? I, it's funny, I uh made a phone call earlier today to find more information about the modified deal before I talked about it on here and just for my own, you know, no. And, um, my post got brought up when I was having that discussion. And I was like, just so you know, that's not a post about new Smyrna Speedway or what should new Smyrna Speedway do? We're not the only track that has practice. Um, I see a lot of practice everywhere. So I was just generally wondering what y'all think, because they, here's what I think, but what I think is only one piece of the pie. So I'd rather get the whole pie and talk about the whole thing, which is what we just got to do. In my opinion, I, I love it um, when we have these segments. Um, I only do them about once a month or so um, just because, you know, for some, maybe me reading Facebook comments that they've already read isn't the most intriguing thing to listen to. But I think it's fun to see what other people think because that's what makes things go around is the consensus of people's input. Because person A might have a great idea and think it's that's all they need, but then person B has another idea and you put person A and B's uh, uh, thoughts together and you come up with a greater plan than just what one person thinks or what two people think. So 
Am I saying get rid of practice? Should, we should just show up and go race? No, that's that's crazy talk. Should everybody just go rent the track to practice? No, that's crazy talk too. But um, I like that there are options. I like that we do have some open practices. I look at what, um, you know, Thunder Road, I, I balance, I, I, I talk about Thunder Road a lot because I've, I grew up there. I watch what they do. They do, you know, they'll have for Milk Bowl, they'll have like a practice day and then qualifying day and then a race day and now a bunch of other stuff going on. Um, so yeah, for bigger events, there's more practice. Makes sense. Um, their weekly shows, they think they do a couple of rounds of practice and they race on a Thursday night. So getting people out there early to practice, like you're, they're asking a lot, right? Um, and then what they do is before the season starts, the week before the season starts or two weeks, whatever it is, they have open practice day. And they, hey, if you want to come practice, if you want to get your car dialed in right, this is your day to just come out and practice. I like that model. And then, you know, a couple of rounds of shakedown on race day, and then we race. And again, you can lose a car getting off the trailer. You can lose a car in practice. You can lose a car on pace laps coming to the green flag. You can lose a car on turn one, lap one of the first heat race. I get it. It's... The nature of mechanical beasts. You can lose them at any point. But I like to see them take the green and get a little something for their trouble. So that's why I bring this up. And uh, that's my stance on it. Now I know all your stances on it. And um, I, I think I'm cool with, you know, two quick rounds of practice so we're not running everybody into the ground. But you have enough time to, um, you know, with me not being a racer, uh, not owning a race car, I think it's fair to say that, like, you know, you go out there, you need, you, you would like a, a chance to make an adjustment and then a chance to see if that adjustment was the right way to go. Now... If you keep swinging at it, you, you got to just pick something to go with it come race time. And uh, hey, as Jesse said, use the heat race as a practice too. So all good stuff. I really appreciate it. Uh, that was a fun segment. I enjoyed that a lot. Even uh, even enjoy, enjoyed someone trying to CNN me. So anyway, um, with that said, let's take our next commercial break here and come back for segment number three. I have updated NASCAR power rankings. We're going to take a look at who did well in the race with Ryan Fantasy League. I'll give you my five picks for Las Vegas, and then we'll go around the state, a couple tracks in action over the past week, so we'll catch up on that, and we'll get out of here. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast, and we're excited to welcome in a brand-new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the SponsorshipSeminar.com. Now, we just had JR Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit the SponsorshipSeminar.com. It's only $99.00. And you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together. Get your friends together. Have everybody pitch in, watch the seminar, and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard to find sponsors, and you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with J.R. Longley. We invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com to see all that they have to offer. You can click through. You can watch the little preview video. 
And you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once. You can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours. You can watch it by yourself. And like I said, invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge, and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time. Once again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com. We would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267, and they're located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports, and they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 E-Mod slash A-Mod, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, Make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bull Ring at Auburndale and the big track over at the New Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. 
Whatever you'd like to do, we are open. Um, just message us here on the Racing with Ryan Facebook page or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934 and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's go ahead and jump right into our updated NASCAR power rankings, which I will be doing weekly since uh, we're finally past the restrictor plate or drafting style track portion of the season. Um, still a little bit fuzzy as far as where everybody should go, but I think we'll have a better sense of things um, going into Las Vegas. So I didn't do rankings before Daytona because of the World Series. I didn't do rankings after Daytona because I was still playing catch-up and just kind of like, dude, throw a dart at the wall and see where it lands. So um, honestly, it's funny, uh, Looking, thinking back to last year after two races, I had the same gentleman at the top of the board. So we'll see if y'all can remember. But let's start from the bottom. And in 15th, I got to give a nod to Todd Gillen. Guy has the most laps led in Cup this year. Led a bunch of Daytona, led a ton at Atlanta. Uh, Fox mentioned he had pit. And I guess he got a tire, but they never showed anything. So Todd went from being up in the front, top 10 most of the day, being very competitive. I guess he got caught up in one of the late race skirmishes. Again, I'll go back and watch this race. But um, he's shown speed on the plate tracks. We'll see if that carries over to Vegas or not. But I got Todd Gillen 15th. In 14th, I have Joey Logano. Very similar season to Todd Gillen. Very fast cars, good runs. Has led the second most laps, but has had nothing to show for it. And uh, Joey Logano is 14th here in the rankings. And 13th, uh, driver kind of under the radar, but having a decent start to 2024, Ty Gibbs. Um, still, I think mile and a half and short tracks are going to be his bread and butter. I see him getting a win this year. I don't think it happens this week, though. Alex Bowman, I have 12th. I'd like to see Bowman start picking up his mile and a half uh, prowess here. He needs to get back. I, I think if there's some anybody on the hot seat in Hendrick, I know Ally, his sponsor, likes him, so that probably helps, but Bowman needs to have a good year. He's 12th right now. Austin Sendrick is in 11th. Um, won a stage last week at Atlanta, running up in the top five at Daytona, coming to the white flag, involved in the spin with Ross Chastain. So, again, another forward. You know, when you think about who's running well at the beginning of the year, it's easy to say Austin Sendrick, but it's hard to be like, is that going to be an every week thing as we get to these other style tracks? So we'll see. In 10th, I've got Daniel Suarez. After the win, I had to put him up in the top 10. Um, will he stay there this week? Listen, if Daniel Suarez finishes in the top 10 this week, I'll probably keep him there if he doesn't, if he has a bad run. Um, I try to be a little more generous if you get crashed out because crashes can happen to anyone at any time. We saw it front of the field, back of the field at Atlanta. Um, so we'll see what happens with Daniel. In 9th, I've got Kyle Larson. Decent speed the first two weeks. Um, I think he's a driver... Uh, who's going to shoot up the rankings here, could easily win Las Vegas. I think he won a race at Vegas last year and finished second at a race at Vegas last year. Is that what happened? Uh, let me double-check that. Um, I had the race results from Vegas. But, yeah, second at one race and first in the other. So I think Kyle Larson's got to watch you this weekend. Chase Elliott, I have him eighth. I mean, good run at Daytona, won a stage, uh, spun out three times at Atlanta, finished 15th. So a decent start for Chase. Um, he can keep things clean. We'll see if he can have a good run here in Vegas. Denny Hamlin, seventh. Um, and the reason I have Hamlin seventh, I like him on the mile and a half. Um, showed probably the best speed of the Toyotas at uh, the drafting style tracks at Landon Daytona. And he got caught up in a wreck. Didn't have anything to show for it. So, I don't know. Maybe I could maybe interchange Larson and Denny Hamlin. 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Hamlin is ninth and Larson is seventh. Making changes on the fly. In sixth, I've got Martin Truex. Quiet at the drafting tracks, but that's how Truex prefers those style tracks. They just wants him to be quiet. Um, as I was doing some research for the next segment of the show, um, Martin Truex did very well here at Las Vegas, so I think he's a solid bet to have a top 10 run this weekend. Ross Chastain I have in fifth. Um, top 10 in uh, in Atlanta. Running great. Almost a shot to win the Daytona 500 before he got spun out late. So Ross having a good start. He's got to keep that speed up for Vegas, though. Uh, Ryan Blaney, fourth. Came up uh, three one-thousandths of a second short of getting his first win of the season, defending champ. Had uh, speed at Daytona and speed at Atlanta. And got a top five coming out of Atlanta. He's got some uh, momentum going forward. William Byron is third, obviously, the big win at Daytona. Got caught up in that pit road mishap there with Michael McDowell, but still up there in the points. So I, I, I like William Byron's position. I think he's easy round of eight competitor this year. In second, good start to the year for Bubba Wallace. Only driver to finish in the top five in both the Daytona 500 and the Atlanta 400. So uh, Bubba, you know what You know what else? He runs good at Las Vegas. He runs good at the mile and a half. That Those Toyotas last year had a really good speed. What does the new Toyota do? I think I've had a little, get you know, some question marks with some of the Toyotas doing this research just because we don't know how that new nose is going to do. It seems like in traffic, though, they don't run as well by themselves, but in traffic, they seem to do better. So could be uh, good for these guys cutting through the air come Las Vegas. Uh, but Bubba's off to a good start, so you got to give him a little credit here. And the number one, just like last year after two races, Kyle Busch. Uh, led laps, ran well at Daytona, got shuffled back late, and then, I mean... He he made the move. He was the driver who made the move to try to win the race at Atlanta and came up just short and uh, finished third ultimately. But uh, yeah, Bush off to a hot start. And uh, yeah, there's our, our top 15 power rankings for Vegas. I'll try to remember to make the change on my computer. So when I do this exercise again next week, I remember that I flip-flopped Larson. Yeah, Larson needs to be seventh and Hamlin needs to be ninth. Other than that, I'm comfortable with this list. So sometimes I make these things at the end of the workday in a haze, and then I get back here, and I'm like, what was I doing? But anyway, fix it. We, we just, we fix it. That's why we discuss these things, right? So there's our updated look at our first regular season power ranking of the year, and I'll try to keep that updated uh, throughout. The, you guys know how this show goes. I, I like to keep things consistent, but I also go with the flow because life life doesn't go on a schedule. As schedule-oriented as we like to be as humans, um, life likes to remind us that uh, you can't always schedule life. So anyway, let me log into the NASCAR app here because we did have our second race of the Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy league. So I want to quickly go over that. And again, I was very tempted after the race ended and I was so excited to go in here and look, but I like to do this live. So, but of course doing it live means I have to get through all the ads that they want to show me. And then I have to go find the fantasy app and I have to make sure I'm in the Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy app, which I'm in. So let me go to League. Let me look at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Let's see who did well. Um, yeah, and it then shifted me to... God damn it. It shifted me to a different league. Racing with Ryan podcast league. There we go. All right. Out of the 13 of us, let's see how we did at Atlanta. Winning this week was 8-Ball Racing with 192 points. In second was our defending champion, Bomber 93, John Gross, with 183. In third was Bob's Fords after a dismal week in Daytona with 182. He tied with Tyler Vickery for third with 182. Uh, Cole Trickle, Joe Racine, 
was fifth, 155. Steve Darling, sixth at 154. Hunter Young with 151. Richie Petty, eighth with 149. Staffordshire Motorsports, ninth with 147. And yours truly rounding out the top 10 with 145. So, again, we all did better this week because Daytona scores were miserable, just miserable. So you all did much better. Um, in 11th was Kitch, Pit Penguin 12th, and Pemberton was in 13th with 107. So some higher scores this week. Let's take a look at the top five overall. I'm not going to be included in that. I think I'm in 10th both weeks, so I have some work to do. But so far, leading the way is Joe Racine with 327 points. Cole Trickle showing the way. Eight ball racing. Um, that's Ripley. He's in second with 305. Pemberton, a tough, he had a great Daytona and a tough Atlanta, but he's third in points with 304. Vickery racing fourth with 290. Bomber 93, John Gross, our defending champ, fifth with 283. Um, yours truly, yeah, riding in 10th with 245. So I am, um, I, I have some work to do, but it's only race two. We'll get back in the game here. Um, it's always fun to keep uh, a look at that. Um, appreciate, uh, I, I love the league we have. It's a solid group of players. Most of you, um, you know, our competitors at New Smyrna or listen to the show or a good mix of both. And I appreciate it. It's fun. It's, uh, you know, it, that's the one thing when I choose or I'm not able to watch the race live. I'm not, I don't look at my garage. I just hope for the best because I don't want to spoil it. Like, I don't want to look at like, you know, try to tune in before halfway to check fantasy and see that somebody's in like 30th place out of the race. Cause then I know something's going to happen. So I, I try to avoid spoilers and, um, Last week, without watching a single race live, I only spoiled one of them. So I think that's a good record. So um, again, going to Las Vegas this weekend, as far as fantasy goes, it's a little bit easier. Um, these mile-and-a-half tracks are a little bit more trendy. You know, the the drivers that run well at a plethora of them, you can pretty much bank on. Uh, looking at Las Vegas last year, solid races, 13 lead changes in the first one, 20 in the second one. Uh, but one driver stood out to me as the immediate favorite. So I'm going to give you my five, my top five fantasy picks that you should bet on, uh, put in your fantasy lineup, um, you know, pick in your family race pool. Um, I don't know, however you do it, these are the five picks. And I do five as if, you know, I'm talking to my fantasy racing league people here. And also, please remember, if you listen to the podcast and you're like, I'm going to out dual Ryan when he takes over first place in a couple of weeks. Don't do that because, um, <laughs> the, uh, these picks here are the ones that I think you should bet on, not the ones that I am betting on. Cause you got to play the strategies. So first and foremost, got to go with Kyle Larson. If you don't have him in his starting lineup, you best be saving him for like Bristol or something. Um, but yeah, Larson is probably a must start for everybody this weekend. So maybe now you don't start him because you think everybody is going to start him. But anyways, um, the second driver I would definitely consider this week is Christopher Bell. Ran great in both races here last year. Of course, that Toyota question mark and the Ford question mark. You can't question it forever, so just stick with the numbers. And Christopher Bell is probably a safe bet. Same with Bubba Wallace. Um, 14th in race one, top five here in the playoff race. And I feel like Bubba got better as the season went on last year, so I'm going to rally off that uh, second race and say that Bubba Wallace is probably a good bet. Can he go three for three on top fives this year? I think he can, but we're going to see how the race plays out. Uh, William Byron's another good pick here. He did win the spring race here. He's the defending champion of the upcoming race. Uh, and then let me check again. He's racing reference a lot for this kind of stuff. Uh, where'd he finish in the championship race? Seventh. So a win and a seventh 
pretty good um, pretty good bet at a uh, top 10, top 15 finish for William Byron coming up this week. And the other driver I'd, I'd take a good bet on is Martin Truex Jr., ninth in the second race here. Uh, that would be the playoff race from a year ago. And then he was seventh in the spring race as well. So Martin Truex is a safe bet. And then, of course, I always give you guys a wild card. Not necessarily like, here's your garage driver, but another driver to think about, Tyler Reddick. Um, and he's my wild card because uh, his, his stats are not overwhelmingly, like, jump out on paper, like, oh, my God, you got to start him here. Um, eighth in the playoff race, top 15 in the first race, but he won Kansas last year. And he always seems to have speed on the mile-and-a-half tracks. His pit crew, however keeps him behind and it's not as easy to make your way up through the field as it is at Daytona Atlanta. So if the pit crew stays together, I like Kyle, um, Kyle Reddick, Tyler Reddick's chances here this weekend to have a good run. So there's my five drivers and a wild card for you. If you're looking for some fantasy advice slash help for this week at Las Vegas, which I'm very excited for. I've really enjoyed Daytona and Atlanta. I love those drafting style tracks. I think Atlanta was it's going to be hard to top Atlanta. Uh, as you know, last year, Kansas was my favorite race, followed by the Coke 600 this year. Atlanta, the easy front runner. Vegas, going to be a tall order. Um, I know we have a lot of new fans coming in from the Netflix series. If they got attached to NASCAR and like, oh, I'll never miss a race now, they, I hope they tamper their expectations and know that Vegas is going to be, it should be a good race, but it's going to be a different type of race. So hopefully they don't like get discouraged by seeing cars more spread out and this being a more methodical, you know, uh, lap-by-lap affair. So we'll see what happens. So one final bit of business before we get out of here. We're going to go around the state here real quick. Two tracks were in action this week. Uh, One on February 22nd, that was Showtime Speedway. And we're going to start there. But I need a libation. Ah, okay. With that out of the way, let's take a look at what went down at Showtime Speedway as they were kind of the prelude to this big Outlaw Figure 8 event that's going on. So they ran on the 22nd, and they did have Outlaw Figure 8s, and it would be Troy Hughes getting the win in a field of 10 over Ben Tunney, Corey Harmon, Shane Grigsby, Steve Durham. And guys, I'll be honest with you, I do not follow Pro Figure 8s. I am not into Pro Figure 8s. I don't dislike Pro Figure 8s. I think they're cool. But they're not my bag, so to speak, which is part of the reason why I just decided to lay low this weekend and do some other things. Um, I think it would have been a fun weekend to go see figure eight racing. Like, if that is your thing, this was definitely the weekend to go. So don't don't get me wrong. Uh, they, Showtime also ran Ford figure eight with Eric Sharon picking up the win over Sean Moore, Robert Strofel, Derek Sharon, and Rob Little. They had a school bus figure eight, which was won by Austin Dunham. Eric Sharon second, Manny Carrera third, James Volk fourth, fifth for Dalton Scabo, I guess. Also impressed that they got all 14 names on the bus list because a lot of times you get to the school buses and you're just like, all right, put the winner in. Um, so yeah, figure eight frenzy over there at Showtime Speedway, kind of the prelude or the kickoff to the big event over here at Auburndale. And they ran on the 24th and they had a 25 lap uh, mod mini event which started 12 cars with 13 showing up. So it seems like uh, the modern minis are going strong over there at Auburndale, which is good to see. I hope we can get a, at least double-digit field for our 50-lapper here at New Smyrna coming up. Uh, but Jason Rendell took the win in the 157 machine over Kenny Yule. Good to see Kenny 
having a good run. I mean, that he's a he's a good guy. He's you know blue collar you know blue collar guy, just working hard, trying to uh, go race, and he got a good finish. Uh, Jeff Firestone was third, fourth for Jason Deaton, fifth for Fallon Goolsby. Jason Lester was tenth, so I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe things got interesting. Uh, Pure Stocks were in action. They had a nice field. Good to see the field starting to build back up for the Pure Stocks. Sixteen of them here this weekend. James Wright, the third, no surprise. He took the win over Jimmy McLeod. Adam Briggs was third in the 129. Dodge Carlbert, fourth. And Zach Briggs, fifth. Uh, Sen- some notables here. Sean Senekosoff in eighth. Ronnie Roop in twelfth. Uh, Brandon Ducher, 14th. So that must have gotten interesting. Uh, they ran mini stocks as well. A great field. They had 21 of them. They had a DQ and two DNSs. Um, Joe Sunday made the trip over. He did not start. So Aaron Foy made the trip over, got a top 10. Hell yeah, way to represent. Um, but Matt Miller got the win over Jason Deaton. William Kearns was third. Bill Weatherington fourth. And Kirby Graham was fifth. Eddie Davis, Jay Roberts, Dakota Cushing, Zach Dees, and Aaron Foy, the top 10, because there's so many of them. Other notables here, Virgil Andrews in 15th. Bobby Kelly, the 95, the copper machine. He struggled in 17th. So, And then Richie Akers with the disqualification. Let's see, they had Crown Vicks as well. Another good field, 19 of them. They had a DQ. Jonathan Wallace was disqualified. Your top finishers here, Roger Blevins with the win. Austin Taylor, second, third for Zach Briggs. Michael Bauer, fourth. Clay Cruz, another good run in fifth. Anthony Mahan in 6th, 7th for Brian Farmery, Mike Smith 8th, ninth for Justin uh, Ogilvy, Jamie Donahoe Jr. in 10th. Some notables here, if there are any. Um, nope, run of the mill all the way through the field there. Mini Cups were in action. Field of 10, Tegan Briggs with the win, Hunter Harmon 2nd, Lily Farmery 3rd, Jace uh, Galtalo and Lila Fuller fifth. Sorry for these names that are throwing me for a curveball. Every time I see a new one, I, I can't, I can't read them. Pro figure eight. So that was the big man event. They had a field of twenty five start in some thirty four cars on property, with thirty two taking a time of qualifying. That's awesome. See, like I said, if you're a field of the pro figure eights, Auburndale was the place to go. And I know they did have a couple of intersection hits. I don't know who hit who or what the story was. Again, I couldn't tell you one of these cars from the other one, but uh, great field, looked like a lot of fun, and uh, Steve Durham got the win out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Again, it was kind of like the Indianapolis invasion, uh, the speed drones where a lot of these guys race and they came down. Um, but how about Steve Durham starting 29th on the field? Uh, they must have inverted everybody because second, Jeffrey's shackle forward, he, finished, he started 32nd. Ben Tunney finished third, he started 30th. Buddy Vetri's finished fourth, started 26th. Uh, and Troy Hudges uh, started, what did he start? 24th, finished 5th. Austin Tunney started 31st, finished 6th. So pretty pretty impressive. Jesse Dunney was 7th. Sean Senekosov, um, the highest Florida boy in 8th. ninth was Mark Tunney. Woo, Mark Tunney. R.J. Norton running out of the top 10. Pretty interesting stuff there. Again, they had uh, 24 cars start the main event. And, oh shit, did I read qualifying? God damn it. Sorry. Yeah, so no wonder. So they must have done reverse order from practice speed. I read the qualifying order. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Mark Tunney got the win starting from the pole. Jesse Tunney. God, man. that 
The whole narrative of this just changed. Mark Tunney, your winner. Jesse Tunney, second. Troy Hughes in the third or fourth for um, Doug Greek. He started 19th, though, so that's impressive. RJ Norton, fifth. Mike Riddle, sixth. Seventh for Buddy Vetries. Matt Smith, eighth. Ninth for Mason Hadley. And Steve Durham in 10th. So my apologies. I screwed up. Um, and then I believe they had like a non-qualifier race where they started nine cars. And Eddie Van Meter got the win in that one. Doug Riddle, Manny Aguilar, your top three. Ronnie Abney finished fifth. Um one of the locals over there. So that's uh that's what went down around the state. Citrus did not race. New Smyrna did not race. Um there might have been some dirt stuff, but you guys know where our focus is here. So yeah, that's all I got. Um really excited for this weekend. Uh, I feel like Speed Weeks is done. There's like, you know, the Speed Weeks hangover, then there's the Speed Weeks letdown because you get to be part of awesome racing action for nine straight days and then it ends and you recover and then you get sad because you're like, wait a minute, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing racing and you're not doing racing and, and that depression sets in. And then the next thing you know, it's the beginning of March and uh, my race season starts this weekend. I will be at the Quarter Midgets at Little New Smyrna this Friday night and then I will be helping out at the Auburndale Speedway as Steve is uh, planning to race his street stock. So I'll be filling in for him. They got uh, Twin 50 late models. I got street stocks, mini stocks, and more. And I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have some names to learn after reading this. Um, yeah, going to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, um, it all starts March the 9th over at New Smyrna. Family fun night. Mod mini 50 lap special as the highlight. Uh, you got super stocks, spectator racing, bomber A, bomber B, and I believe ground pounders. So going to be like, I'm excited for that. To start with family fun night, kind of a low-key like, let's just go have fun season opener before we really kick into to high gear. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, race season is here. We got NASCAR to talk about on the show every week, uh, for good or bad. Um, and uh, we got great racing, too. So stick around with us. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you this Friday at Little New Smyrna and this Saturday at the Auburndale Speedway. And we'll talk all about it on next week's podcast. So until then, get out there, support local short track racing, and vroom, vroom on. Vroom, vroom on.